What is good, everyone? Good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of Injured Reserve Podcast with your host, me, myself, and I, Mitchell Anderson. A lot of things to cover uh, for the most part. Oh, no, excuse me. The most part, you know, the main headline of this week, Anthony Davis getting traded to L.A. for Lonzo Ball and a few other players, Brandon Ingram and a few draft picks, headed to New Orleans. Uh, LeVar Ball, obviously very unhappy for anyone that follows any media of sports outlets very vocal about it he's been on first take and espn this and that saying you know la's never never gonna win another title um you know lonzo voicing his concern and reason saying he doesn't want to be in new orleans but i think we all know by now he obviously is the last person to be sent you know trying to bargain with new orleans a player that's been hurt more than he has played he hasn't even played entire season yet Two seasons in, and, you know, his free throw percentage is still trash. Hasn't, you know, it's just him, that kind of guy. Hey, like I said before, he's a draft bust. It, it, just call it what it is. He he needs to step down to the G League and work on his game. He came into the league way too fast, drafted way too high, and, you know, you saw what happened. Pressure mounted, and, and a lot of it's not really on him. It's, you know, the hype from his father. So the, the spotlight on him and obviously LeBron going to L.A. So that's double the spotlight, double the attention. And things didn't work out so well. And it happens. So he could revive his career. But like I said, he needs to work on his game. NBA ain't it. He needs to step down to the G League. Now with that being said, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, that combo on paper looks scary, looks solid. Right now, L.A. does have Kyle Kuzma. They still have him, so that's a that's a big thing. You know, they didn't want to get rid of him. The thing is, though, L.A. is scrapping up to clear up more cap space. So the question is, they might have to get rid of Kuzma as well. You know, they might have to deal him out somewhere. The question is, right now, a lot of people are saying it's about a 60% chance that Kawhi is going to stay in Toronto. So he's one of the main... Uh, players this upcoming offseason for, for free agency that L.A. is obviously going to target. And they even said that Kawhi will even draw more interest and attention towards L.A. if the A.D. trade was to happen for the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, it doesn't mean it's a guarantee kind of thing. Who knows what's going to happen? But for right now, um, my intuition is telling me that Kawhi stays in Toronto. Uh, like I said before, uh, he has that right to go wherever he wants. You know, he, he brought the city of Toronto their first title in franchise history. So fan, the fan base, the owner, players, they really can't be mad at him. No one can. He did what he's supposed to do in literally his last year of his co- contract, which was, you know, part of San Antonio before he got traded to Toronto. And he got that one major goal completed. Even if they did lose in the finals, he would still have that leeway. But with that being said, I don't think Kawhi is going to head to L.A. I think for the most part, people are saying Kyrie. I think right now, Kyrie's supposedly leaning towards the Brooklyn Nets. Like I said before, 
pre-injury, before KD tore his Achilles, I was saying New York Knicks, the Mecca, the Garden, the Big Apple, you name it. It was going to be KD and Kyrie. That combo, New York, you know, they cleared up cap space. It would have been the perfect fit. New York was looking solid heading into the offseason. Before the NBA draft, everyone was, you know, assumption that they win that draft lotto, get the first pick, it was going to be unanimous in Zion. Now that doesn't look in... You know, looks so bright. Looks like Zion's probably going to go to New Orleans. And R.J. Barrett, his teammate of Duke, is going to go to uh, New York, which isn't bad. Solid substitution. With that being said, um, Kyrie, who knows? Either way, him and Al Horford, his teammate of Boston, they're both leaving. They're out of there. So... I think Kemba Walker is going to go to L.A. I don't think Kyrie's going to want to go, go to L.A. Wherever he goes, you know, he's going to ball out regardless. Uh, you know, it was just a down season for him. It happens. With that being said, um, if they do land Kemba and they get, you know, Anthony Davis and LeBron, I think Kuzma is going to have to be part of that deal, no doubt. Uh, like I said, they're still trying to clear up some more cap room to be able to get a max deal for the next player in free agency. So it's going to be tough. You know, um, they're not in a tight situation right now like they are in Houston with, you know, the James Harden and Chris Paul drama right now going on between them. I'll discuss that later. But right now, Kemba, that'd probably be the the more realistic fit and right now I mean LA it's odd because the odds has them as like the second favorite or the favorite which blows my mind because they even had that prior before the trade for AD now that's happened I could see how those odds increased for these odds for them winning the title next year for them coming out of the West, everyone if everyone stays healthy, AD, for the most part, can get about 60 games out of him. He hasn't played a full season. At least I don't think so. Um, he can be injury prone. He's a big guy. Uh, not saying every big man gets hurt, but a guy like him, that caliber, you know, it's he doesn't really always stay healthy recently in these past couple seasons. LeBron. This past season's first time legitimately getting hurt. He believe he turns 34, 35 sometime in the next couple months. Uh, so we'll see how he returns. Full season off, not making the postseason, getting some rest. He's gonna come back with a vengeance now. So he's full and healthy. He's in the hyperbolic time chamber as we speak, probably getting ready. You know, so. Kemba, LeBron, AD. On the West, they're looking. If it wasn't for Golden State getting hurt, I would, you know, I would still favorite Golden State for coming out the West next season. But now everything is looking really bright for LA. Like I said, if they stay healthy, knock on wood. I mean, it's we'll see. We'll see how that chemistry goes. Like I said, it's still the West. The West is still dangerous. 
You know, still some dangerous counterparts. You still got Portland. They can still ball out. You know, don't doubt C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard and all those guys. They're still dangerous, no doubt. So, either way, like I said, if Golden State, if Klay Thompson doesn't tear his ACL, it's, you know, if he doesn't tear his ACL, Golden, I would still have Golden State the favorite in the West. Uh, depending what KD does, I don't know. I think he might stay now, but who knows? Like Achilles injury, that's going to be a long time before he comes back. He's going to miss the 2020 season. But uh, Clay, uh, ACL, he'll probably fully healthy. Probably, I would say, uh, nine months. Unless he gets somehow, he gets that Adrian Peterson water. Like uh, when he tore his ACL back in his prime days in Minnesota, he tore his ACL. He comes back a year later. He was back and running, I think, in like three, four months. You know, and in the next season, the man rushes over for 2,000 yards. So if Clay, who knows? But ACL injury, give or take nine months. So he'll be back sometime after... 2020 sometime probably January February I don't know I'll have to look at the calendar but to reiterate Golden State they're hurt right now it's gonna be interesting to see you know so it's it's gonna be Steph and Draymond that's gonna be the show right now Andre Iguodala he can still ball he can still be that pivotal role player for them he can get you every once in a while 14-15 coming off the bench but, you know, those, those key counterparts, man. It's going to be weird looking at Golden State now. No KD and no Clay. So we'll see how things evolve. We're going to see what Steph Curry, Curry is truly made of. Is he that guy? He's going to have to absolutely positively ball out next season. And possibly, you know, win him another regular season MVP. Because that's basically, he's got to put on that MVP caliber performance for his team. Because I think they're going to struggle now. I wouldn't say struggle like bad, but they're not going to be a 60-win team. I think they'll be, give or take, uh, probably 55. So, but if Clay, like I said, if Clay comes back somehow, and he, I'm sure Golden State's going to have the best doctors in the world, Improving his rehabilitation process and all the surgery. He, who knows? He could be back sooner than we thought. But right now, I say about 55 wins. And we'll go from there. Now, with LA, um, if it's just LeBron and AD, I would say about 50 win season. If they get Kemba, then possibly, you know, they could be, they could get around that 54, 55 mark. Kemba's a solid, you know, he's a solid point guard, but I, he's not he's not the Kyrie Irving, you know, he's not that pivotal impact game changer player, not so much. And plus, his transitioning from Charlotte to LA that's gonna be different too, because Charlotte's not so much the big spotlight. So now there's gonna be a lot more pressure on him. So we'll see we'll see how things go. 
right now, I think LA, they're looking at 50 wins. But that's if they stay healthy. And so far, AD, you know, he hasn't, he's been hurt before. So if he gets hurt, there's, there, there can't be no days off. You know, LeBron, he used to be able to rest in the East. Now he's in the West. He can't rest. He can rest if he wants to, but every game is, you know, it's vital for those standings. It's a dog-eat-dog world out there in the West. San Antonio, Oklahoma City, uh, Portland, Houston. But either way, um, the West is going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be very odd. You know, like I said, Golden State, no Clay, no KD. Steph's going to have to ball out like an MVP. But with that being said, I'm going to take a quick little break, and you're listening to Injured Reserve Podcast. Welcome back to Injured Reserve Podcast. So, as I said before, the West is going to be very eccentric coming into next season. It's going to be even more eccentric, uh, you know, with the drama going down in Houston. Chris Ball and James Harden, after Game 6, after losing the Golden State, yet again, uh, falling short to them another season. Supposedly, there was a verbal altercation between the two. Now, what's interesting about this scenario is that James Harden has a leeway. He's their guy. He's that franchise player. Chris Paul used to be that guy. No disrespect to him. First ballot Hall of Famer. You know... During his heyday, his prime, he was the guy. He was, you know, there was, you know, he was the arguably the best point guard during that time about seven, eight years ago. It was there was that debate who's the best go-to guy, who's the best point? Is it Chris Paul or Derrick Rose? Times are very different now. Uh, Derrick Rose, not the D Rose that we knew from Chicago, that put on that MVP caliber season putting up 25 a game you know be able to dink and dunk this and that crossovers things are different rose injury prone chris paul starting you know he hasn't played a full season in the past couple excuse me past couple years on average the last three seasons he's missed a you know, 23 games per season. So with that being said, you got to think as a Houston Rockets fan, you kind of got swindled. Because, and you got to look on paper. If you really look at it, Chris Paul, he, it's always been an issue with him. You know, he, there was, you know, conflict with not only 
James Harden, but before this, it was Blake Griffin. And there was other reports, that, you know, other teammates that, that he's had issues with. Now, the reason why I say Houston got swindled is because take a look at his contract. And, man, I don't know who the GM of Houston is. But, man, whoever thought this was a good deal. Chris Paul... Um, back around 2018-17, he signed a four-year contract with Houston, 160 mil. Not exactly 160 mil, but close to that, 159 some change. Virtually, this man is making 40 million per year. So by the time his contract is up in Houston, he'll be 36. And he'll be balling out with 44 mil that year. The thing is, is that I don't understand. Is that I'm not saying he's worth a solid contract. But when you're signing at the time a 32-year-old point guard. I mean, man, it's just, especially when there were, you know, times where him and Harden clashed and this and that. It's in it's not so much a big issue if they're winning titles, but it's a major issue if they're not. And that all that money and all that cap space, that's killing Houston right now. Cause if they didn't if they didn't get CP, they could, you know, trade them for whatever, this and that, if if they did not sign that man this much money. So no one's gonna trade for that. I mean I want it, you know, so who's going to pick, it's, who knows what's going to happen in Houston, because, you know, Chris Paul and James Harden, the reports that the the chemistry between those two, it's demolished, and it's beyond repair, so right now he's 34, and like I said, it wouldn't be a big issue if they were winning titles. A lot of, you know, and this wasn't the first, a lot of big players had issues with other superstar players. You know, it's like the Shaq and Kobe. Early 2000s, three-peat, dynasty. They clashed here and there. No, there were days where they couldn't stand each other. But it is what it is, because it didn't matter, because, you know, the owner, Jerry Buss, knew this. He was aware. But they were winning titles. But as soon as they fell short, going for that 4P against Detroit, against the Pistons when they had Rasheed, Chauncey, all those guys, pulled off the major upset, losing in five games. Hell, they even picked up Carl Malone and Gary Payton. Granted, they were beyond their years at that point, so they were just trying to get at least one ring in their resume. Those poor guys, I mean... Carmelo going 0 for 3 in the finals. Gary, he, you know, I think 0 for 2. So you look at that, and eventually, you know, Jerry Buss, he had to go with the youth. He had to go with the talent, the future, the franchise. That was Kobe Bryant. Obviously, it's like, all right, Shaq, we appreciate you, but time to ride off to wherever you want to go. He goes to Miami, grabs a ring with D-Wade. Kobe grabs two more 
during his tenure, stayed with LA. So basically, this kind of scenario with Chris Paul and James Harden, I would hate to be in charge of this situation right now. I mean, what do you do with a player that's getting $40 million a year? I mean, no one's going to no one's going to sign for, or excuse me, no one's going to trade for that. If they are, they're nuts. And I think one of the main issues are is that Chris Paul is having a trouble understanding that he's not that guy anymore. He's He's not the dude that we knew from the Clippers in New Orleans. He's not the dude that would get you 20 points and 10 assists, average that a season, average about 48% from the field. But he's it's it's come a time, you know, this this past season was his lowest career in averaging in points. And field goal percentage, 41% from the field, 15 points a game. So Chris Paul was, he used to be a two-way player. He, you know, he'd be able to guide the offense and be able to score with just sheer will whenever he wanted to. So, and he's having a trouble realizing that not only is that not him anymore, his age is starting to catch up. That's starting to become for James Harden. That's his role now. It's not only him. It's a lot of players in the NBA. Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook, Kawhi. So, but with CP, his age is catching up to him. 14 years, give or take, 34 years old. I can't, you know, point guards at age 34, they they don't age that well near the end of the career. Tony Parker, he started to fall off a cliff as well. After, excuse me, even then, when they won their last title and defeated Miami and LeBron left to go back to Cleveland, Tony Parker, really he wasn't that guy anymore. Manu, he wasn't that guy anymore. But, you know, as a team, as a unit, San Antonio, and, you know, people claimed them as to be boring basketball, but they were still, you know, team efficiency basketball they operated well they for playing all these past 15 16 years they knew how to they knew one another they had that chemistry and that was just adding quiet to the mix that was just a double feature for them so but this isn't you know James Harden and Chris Paul it's it's live and die with James Harden so with this whole Chris Paul and James Harden, it's 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 a rough thing, man. I don't know what they're gonna do. Forty million dollars for the next three more seasons, hundred and sixty million dollars guaranteed for four years, and he's signing that at the age of thirty-two. So I don't know. Like I said, I don't know who's in charge of that, whatever GM or whoever. But man, they slipped up big time on this one. They should they should have looked at the bigger picture before giving giving him that contract and be. They should have looked towards this season. They're like, look, let's look at what we got right now. 
let's use on the free agency market, or excuse me, free agent market of 2019. Younger talent, more efficient, more versatile, younger, Kemba Walker, Kyrie, Kawhi. So, third, man, 32, and this man's getting 160 mil guaranteed. I could see if he was still, you know, putting up 20 and 10 a game. Then I could say, eh, and he was playing a full season and he was healthy and still shooting around 45, 48%. Hey, I'd be like, all right. It made sense at the time. And then he started to dwindle. Then he started to slow down. But this was signs of already showing. But, you know, they pulled the trigger anyways. And so... As I said before, I hate to sound like a broken record. Western Conference, it's going to be very eccentric next season. How is Houston going to operate now? As I said, James Harden's their go-to guy. He's their ride or die. So, if they didn't give CP that big contract, CP, if anything, could have taken less, could have known this, taken a cut, and be like, look, you know, Kind of take a ride in the backseat and like, look, I know I'm not what I used to be. So I'm going to take a cut and you guys start searching, searching for the 2019 season come summertime. But, you know, that's not Chris Paul. I think it's not just him, though. I think it's a lot of ego and a lot of players. Uh, we saw it with Carmelo Anthony. It's just that, that, that thought process of denial of just constantly thinking like, um, you know, I can still ball out. Kamala thinks he can still put up 25 a game. That's not him anymore. Houston tried that with him this early in the season, on the early going. When they're about 10, 12 games in, he just, you know, wasn't him. They tried to give him a role and get him to understand, hey, come off the bench, be a six man. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Dwayne Wade's doing it, and it's working out great for Miami. Yes, they fell short of the playoffs, but they were fighting at the time. You know, they had a shot. I think they finished season 41 and 41. They were close. Miami operated better when Wade was coming off the bench because he knew in his heart of hearts that he wasn't that guy anymore, and that's okay. If anything, that's more respect to that player. That adds more legacy to the resume. He's a three-time champion. Finals MVP. But that shows the difference, though, between a Dwayne Wade and a Carmelo Anthony and Chris Paul. Those two entering mid-30s think they can still ball out think they could still do it they see guys like LeBron James and think they can still do like he can and it's not like that not every player you know not everyone has that same kind of I don't even want I don't even know what you want to call it just crazy genetics of recovery but at the same time LeBron James does take very well care of himself in the offseason like I said he's probably training right now he watched what he eats so, 
And Carmelo, Chris Paul, you know, you, you never see like a video or IG of something that them doing training in the offseason. I think Carmelo posts a few things of him just shooting around, showing that he's still available and he hasn't retired. But he needs to realize, you know, no one's going to pay him a 40-year, 160-mil guarantee. So, and it's kind of sad in a sense because I understand. Granted, I you know, obviously me not being a professional athlete and anything, but trying to get trying to get their understanding of their world. They don't want to realize that their careers start to it's starting to slow down and that the end is near. But like I said, what takes a great what takes a good player to a great player is not only just the numbers and the accomplishments, but them realizing themselves and knowing what role they have to do and have to, have to produce to try and make their team better. So, but who knows? Like I said, uh, Chris Paul, Carmelo. It's uh, Carmelo. Who knows? May someone could sign him, and maybe he'll realize that this off season, being gone for you know this long, him not playing that long, he. I don't think he even played 10 games this season. Maybe he'll realize that him coming off the bench was a good thing. But we'll see what happens, you know. <laughs> I mean, they, LeBron and, and Chris Paul always dreamt of playing with each other, but that would have been cool seven, eight years ago. But now, no, nah, man, it's... Especially, I don't think even LeBron would be uh, be a big fan of that idea. Trading for a four-year, 160 mil guaranteed, as they're trying to clear up more cap space, for that matter. But with that being said, I'm gonna take a quick little break yet again. You are listening to Injured Reserve Podcast. will be the final segment of the day but speaking of not only just trades and drama going on but let's switch gears a little bit from the NBA to the NFL um surprise surprise the new head coach for the Green Bay Packers this Matt LaFure or I, I probably chopped up his last name the new head coach for Green Bay young guy mid-30s, give or take, coming out of Saginaw Valley, Division II football, played quarterback there. Very first, you know, head head coaching job, and it's in Green Bay, and he has to coach over Aaron Rodgers. Now, I've, I've, I've stated before, this this ego with, with A-Rod is something else. And, you know, 
when him and Mike McCarthy clashed before the Green Bay decided to let him go. And I defended him. I always thought he was a solid coach. I just think A-Rod couldn't get the job done when the time the team needed him most. When he would have fall short a few times in games. I th- I believe, you know, this, this isn't, isn't going to end well either. So as a coach like that, you put him in a compromising position, not only as his first head, first head coaching job in the NFL, but you have to coach over Aaron Rodgers. It's one thing to go, you know, coaching from one team to another, maybe got coach of the year award or maybe a Super Bowl or not even that, perhaps a few divisional titles or a playoff appearance or two. But the fact that this is your very first career as a head coach in the NFL, you're not going to be able to tell Aaron Rodgers what to do. So there's already going to be friction in Green Bay right now. He's not a fan of the play calling that Matt's doing. Obviously, like Mike McCarthy, he's not a fan of the audibles that he's installing. It's going to come down to, you know, do the play calling and basically having to establish a solid positive connection and chemistry between those two. I'm being like, look, I'll make a few play calls. And if you see something up front that you don't like, do your own audible kind of thing. But that's best case scenario. If it works, I don't know. But man, Aaron Rodgers, he's, that's his, you can't tell a quarterback like that, especially someone who's won a Super Bowl. But the problem lies is that especially, you know, coming from former teammates that have kind of outspoken a little bit, not so much belittle Aaron Rodgers and McCarthy or the friction that goes on in that locker room, respectfully so. But, you know, guys like Greg Jennings saying, you know, hey, Aaron Rodgers, he's, uh, he's Aaron Rodgers. When someone says, like, so-and-so is so-and-so, you always, <laughs> you, you got to know, just like, you know, ignorance is bliss. You can try and talk to them, try to give your insight, try and give your opposition, trying to give your proposition, your argument to be able to enhance their viewpoint on why you see things fit and try to get a connection between that other person and try to get a relationship, hopefully positive. But people like Aaron Rodgers, man, they're not going to stand for it. They see it their way or the highway. Simple as that. Point blank, period. You're not going to be able to coach that. So, him and Matt, man, that's that's a tough job. And so, all I could say is good luck. And especially... A guy that's coming out, you know, that played only not not a college at Oklahoma or Texas or Michigan or Bama, Georgia, Clemson, Saginaw Valley State University, a Division II college football school. And you're going to try and coach over someone that went to a D1 college, went to California, won a Super Bowl title. You know, and he won the MVP. It's just, I don't know what the, I don't know what the people in the main head office up there in Green Bay were thinking. So, 
But obviously from here on out for the rest of the career, whatever Rodgers has left, it's ride or die with him. But I think a lot of people fail to realize is that, yes, Aaron Rodgers is a Super Bowl winning MVP. But people give, you know, a little bit too much credit. A lot of that credit, I wouldn't say a lot. Let me reword this. Half of that credit for his MVP performance is because of that defense. When Green Bay defeated my Pittsburgh Steelers, Super Bowl 45, they outplayed Pittsburgh's defense, who at the time was at their high of highs and really haven't been that same caliber since. They've been solid, but not that kind of, not the squad that they had. Clay Matthews, AJ Hawk, Charles Woodson, I believe won Defensive Player of the Year that year. You know, that was their squad. That was, if something went bad, they were able to rely on their defense. And there was a time where Pitt was, you know, able to make it a legit game. It was a, it was a good game for the most part, but in that game, there was a time where Pittsburgh was driving, Rashard Mendehall fumbled the ball, and I can't remember exactly who, but you know that lineback, linebacker core was fierce. They popped the ball out, and the rest was history. They got that. They got that title. So, not discrediting what Aaron Rodgers did, but have that MVP performance is given to that defense. Prime example, not one occurrence, but two occurrences. Same thing can be said for Eli Manning. You know, his infamous throws to David Tyree or uh, Mario Manningham. He didn't outplay Tom Brady. It just, you know, it was those two infamous plays and that defense. Michael Strahan, that first title they won, OCU Menorah. I mean, that defense, that defensive line, they crushed Brady. They got to him every single time. Usually Brady, you know, be able to, you know, dink and dash here and there to Edelman or Welker, Randy Moss. But he couldn't get it out in time because that that defensive line, man, they dominated that O-line. Brady was getting flustered, frustrated. So, same thing. Second rematch. Giants and uh, Patriots. That D-line, man. They they dominated the Patriots O-line. And Eli Manning won the Super Bowl MVP not once but twice. Again, not discrediting what he did. That David Tyree and the Mario Manningham, phenomenal catch. But he did end up leading that final drive. First one being a Plaxico, and the second one I can't exactly remember who it was too. But he did lead the, the drive. But people fail to forget that defense. Those those defenses, those two, two Super Bowl appearances, all credit to them. And people sometimes uh, have some misconceptions about that. But sometimes they don't. It's like the 2000 Baltimore Ravens. Arguably one of the top five 
greatest defenses of all time. Nobody can hardly remember who the quarterback that was that year for Baltimore. I I think it was I think it was Tim Hasselbeck. I I can't I really can't remember. I cannot remember who the quarterback was for Baltimore. But um you know, it was a quarterback who's just, you know, just don't turn the ball over. And that's exactly what happened. Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, that defense was scary, man. So, think defenses like that, they deserve, deserve a lot more credit where credit is due. So, Rodgers being an MVP Super Bowl, cool, but... It's got to be a but. It's just like, yeah, but that defense was ferocious, though. He didn't lead that entire team by himself. And also give credit to the receiving core as well. Donald Driver, Greg Jennings. But speaking of Packer Nation, kind of off topic, Brett Favre yesterday went on Instagram and posted a picture. Him hair, uh, holding the Lombardi Trophy when he won, won it back a couple of years ago, probably 20 years ago, I think, saying he's back. 2020 season. He's coming back. He's 49, turns 50 in October. So the internet, of course, being the internet, goes wild, crazy. Social media, Facebook, memes, Twitter, Instagram itself. Stuff like that, it's kind of fun. It's fun to w- watch things unravel. You know, just at the snap like Thanos on the Infinity Gauntlet. Memes, videos start popping up like crazy. Favre's back. <laughs> now, of course, later on it went on. Brett Favre went on to say that his Instagram was hacked. And it was deleted. So, but at the time it was fun. <laughs> but Brett Favre being Brett, I can't. The sad thing is. When I first saw that, I'd be like, you know what? He could probably still throw better than most players now on some of the rosters. I know he can do a better job than Nathan Peterman. How he still has a job. He's not in Buffalo now. How, you know, he's in Oakland now. How that man still has a job, I'll never know. But guys like that, I'd be like, you know what? Farb could probably still sling it. But taking the hit, eh, not so much. But at the time, it was it was pretty funny. It was entertaining. Like I said, the internet being the internet, undefeated. Except, I think it took it. The internet took its first L of all time. Kawhi Leonard at that <clears throat> at that parade when they returned back to Toronto, and you know, doing his little speech to the fans. And doing that little laugh, because he knew, you know, his laugh in the beginning of the season. The internet went crazy, went wild, because his laugh is just kind of weird and just off, and just how timid he is, in which there's nothing wrong. I kind of felt bad for the guy. He actually won up the internet, doing the ha-ha-ha at the end of his speech. Fans went wild, his teammates losing it. That's the only man... Has defeated the internet. Who's you know he's he's one and one against the internet. But other than that, 
it's fun to see kind of trends like that. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. But with that being said, I'm out of time. I appreciate all y'all listening. And uh, until next time, hope everyone has a great week. And I'm out of here.